everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. I'm recording from Bentonville, Arkansas, where I'm at the NICA Annual Coaches Conference and kind of participating as a coach, but mainly as a guest speaker and writer. So it's been a pretty wild week. And I'm Peter Glassford. I am in Collingwood, uh, and I am a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. Uh, I've been out uh, doing a lot of bike skills today. I think I was on bike for almost seven hours. Uh, I don't know what the rolling Pretty time good. Rolling time was probably more like four. Uh, but we have a big race coming up, so yeah, everyone seems excited about that. I do, uh, my preference is always to work on stuff away from races because it's always very hard to do much on the race weekend. You don't want to sort of be overthinking things, so. Reminder to everyone mm-hmm. to that race will come at some point, so be practicing that thing that you're sort of scared of and putting off. Yeah, absolutely. And you I are you are in Arkansas a, for what? I just said the NICA Mountain Bike uh, Coaches Conference. So NICA is the National Interscholastic Cycling Association in the U.S. So basically, they uh, they put together all the high school mountain biking teams. So. You know, it's a super cool program. I'm really excited that they asked me to come out and, you know, be part of the conference, especially part of launching their uh, their sort of female-focused side of things, the goal being to, you know, really increase female membership. And, I mean, honestly, the female membership of this, uh, of this organization is actually pretty decent as far as the cycling world goes already, so... It's awesome that they're putting as much effort into it as they are. Yeah, I've gotten to talk to a ton of rad men and women and, you know, got a room full of male coaches talking all about how to talk to young girls on their teams about what chamois to wear and stuff like that. So, you know, I was excited about that. And we talked all things Shred Girls as well, which you guys know I love chatting about. And I've been actually riding. Bentonville has some amazing mountain bike trails. So I've gotten in a lot of really good mountain bike rides since I've been here. That's good, yeah. So you were on like a, a panel discussion, uh, and and you were telling me that that sort of broke down into lots of questions around sort of saddle sore um, and just sort of how, how to deal with and what best practices are around getting out of that chamois and um, not wearing underwear and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I got to kind of write the uh, the little, like, I guess, um, they have a toolkit, basically, for coaches, and I got to write up the sort of self-care section of that, so that was, you know, very fun for me. That's my wheelhouse, as it were, so love talking about it. Yeah, they have sort of a handbook that they give to each chapter. Exactly, of this. So it's exactly. like a large national thing, and then each chapter or each leader would get this handbook to sort of help them through all all the stages of running a a kids program really right yeah exactly so tons of really good speakers i've got a billion ideas um just saying if you're at all interested in mountain biking or youth development in pretty much any sport you should really check out what they're up to i think it's uh at national mtb on instagram and twitter and you know they're just doing really cool stuff so i really urge everyone to check them out Awesome, and you're still in the throes of this conference, so I'm not going to keep you too long, but we wanted to get sort of caught up with each other, since we are married, Um, but then also sort of get this introduction for this episode today uh, done. 
So we have that. And today our guest is Barb Gormley. And Barb, I met several years ago, actually, at the Ontario Kinesiology uh, Conference. And she is sort of the expert on all things polling or urban polling, uh, which also you might have heard called Nordic walking. You might have seen people walking about your, your local town or city with poles and wondered what's that all about. Um, so, yeah, we talk all things urban polling. I'm very interested to listen to this interview just because, you know, you and I have been kind of debating whether or not I would use poles if I try to run the close trail that we hiked a couple of episodes ago. And I'm sort of of two minds on it. I'm not totally positive how much help they'd be, but I'm willing to give it a shot. So maybe this episode will convince me. Well, and and that's the thing, right? This is obviously, you know, some of our older population, maybe some of our injured population, or or maybe even some of the cyclists who want to become runners this fall um, should probably, or will will definitely sort of enjoy and take interest of this. But we talk about the differences between hiking poles being sort of things that would help you and, and indeed do sort of help you you know, up things and, you know, your stability and stuff. Whereas the, the Nordic walking poles or the urban poles are actually meant to sort of engage more muscle mass and then also sort of be almost inefficient, which I sort of call it, you know, our goal with exercise is always to have sort of inefficient exercise, right? We don't, we want to burn a lot of calories, you know, expend energy. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of getting people to work harder, but also getting that advantage of, you know, a little lower impact than maybe walking and then also offloading some of the the load on sort of those hips, knees, ankles um, for anyone with injuries, right? And, and we talk about some of the different applications they're using it for, you know, ranging from traumatic brain into, in, in injury, uh, you know, knee injury, um, you know, just even people that are sort of, you know, were quite active and then now are injured. Um, you know, it's different than using crutches. And I thought that was a really interesting way. I had never really thought about that, right? you know, you're injured and then you're given crutches. Yeah. Whereas, you know, this is something where you could come back, join, and they have the same place as Alex Hutchinson basically does his runs on Saturday. They meet at a very similar time and do urban polling in the, the cemetery uh, in Toronto that has sort of recreation paths through it. Um, huh. so, so I wonder if any of the groups polling. have beef with each other. Oh, they probably do. They probably have standoffs and stuff. I really hope so. But yeah, so I think I think it's worth listening just to find out, you know, this might be something that you expose some parents to or, you know, if you have an injury yourself, it might be some way you can get out and sort of experience it. Uh, We talk about sort of all levels of it, you know, what are the more advanced uh, people in the polling doing? And obviously that involves some hills, um, you know, some different terrains and stuff. But, you know, we talk a lot about sort of the the urban polling in its traditional sense and, and yeah, I, I've always been quite into poles. We talk a bit about that. Um, it's application to sort of pole running or striding in the cross-country ski sense. Uh, and then also, like I say, the difference between that and hiking. So, Cool. I love it. Well, before we dive in, just a quick reminder. Um, you know, we're supported by Wide Angle Podium. That's the network our podcast is on. And if you want to help out the network and keep shows like ours on the air and constantly improving, you can check out wideanglepodium.com slash donate for more info. Before we go, I definitely want to say there's also for anyone interested in sort of fitness industry or getting into industry, Barb's come up, you know, worked YMCA and that sort of stuff. So there's, we talk a lot of business and, and that sort of stuff to get kicked off. So yeah, without further Very ado, exciting. why don't we get into it? All right. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm here today with Barb Gormley, who is uh, an urban polling specialist and also uh, just a, a 
wealth of knowledge as far as fitness goes. Uh, she does a ton of writing uh, in the fitness community, and yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited. I ran into Barb, I believe, if I'm not overstepping, I believe at the Kinesiology, Ontario Kinesiology Conference several years ago, um, which may or may not be true, but we'll go with that story. Um, so Barb, I, I'm going to thank you for coming to the show today, um, and, and can you add any credence to that, that sort of story I've fabricated? I think it's true. <laughs> I presented a lot of conferences. So, uh, yeah, I have done the OCA conference and um, all of the fitness and health conferences um, across the province and kind of across the country, actually. Yeah, because Nordic walking is really gaining a lot of uh, um, a lot of interest now as the years go by. So, uh, yeah, so lots of interest in it. Great, great. And so we always like to start with sort of just a, a path. You know, obviously you've started into the fitness community, you know, for whatever reason, um, and now you've found sort of your niche, um, if we can call urban polling your niche. Um, and, and so the path is never linear, right? You didn't come out of school and decide, you know, urban polling's the thing for me. Um, so I'm always curious to know sort of how you got there, and I know a lot of people like to hear sort of that career path as well. So can you give us sort of a, a brief rundown of how you went from sort of you know, a young person through to this, you know, established professional? Sure, sure. Uh, so, uh, so I went to university and um, graduated with a health and physical education degree. And then I spent the next few years, I worked for the YMCA, Metro Central Y in Toronto, which was fantastic. And I was a group exercise instructor. Uh, and then I went into the corporate fitness world and, and all of those things really, um, uh, are kind of all about working with the public and doing all kinds of, you know, a variety of fitness things, whether resistance training in the weight room or group exercise classes or yoga. Uh, so lots of experience working with people one-on-one -on -one in groups. Uh, then I took a year off and I went sailing for a year. And then when I came back, it was a little bit hard um, to get back into the corporate world again. You know, I was, uh, I guess my previous job had been working at Manulife Financial in downtown Toronto, running their corporate fitness center. And so to get back into that corporate world was really something I just wasn't quite comfortable with um, after spending a year in flip-flops and a sarong. So um, so that's when I decided to venture out on my own. And so I, uh, I just kind of gathered together all my entrepreneurial skills and, and uh, did a lot of, you know, kind of one-on-one -on -one training group exercise training, and then somewhere along the line, a company in Vancouver called Urban Polling called me to see if I might be interested in uh, learning about Nordic walking. They were looking for someone in the eastern part of the country. They were expanding their business. And at the time, one of the other things I was doing was coaching um, marathon power walkers. So I said, sure, I'll give it a try. And uh, it was a little bit of a disaster, to be honest. I They sent me some polls, and I watched the DVD I uh, thought I really knew what I was doing when I took the polls out, and I just couldn't get a good workout at all, and it was quite disappointing. And fortunately, after that, I took a certification course, and I realized, oh, there's a lot of nuance here. There's a lot of finesse that you need to really get uh, you know, a true cardio and resistance training workout from these polls. And uh, so at that point, then I became quite excited and um, really saw how I had a lot of people and a lot of clients who would be interested in Nordic walking. And um, it really just took off from there. And shortly thereafter, I became director of education for the company. And so that was over 10 years ago or so, I guess. 
and um, things have just been growing and growing and growing um, since that point. You know, 10 years ago, people really didn't know what Nordic walking was. They would see me out with a client or out with a, a group, a, a class, and they'd say, what, what is this? And I'd say, well, it's Nordic walking. And there would still be a bit of a blank look on their face. You know, today, when people see us out, they go, oh, that's Nordic walking, isn't it? I still don't think people quite understand it. It is one of those activities that you really have to try yourself to understand. You know, I get a lot of these, you know, aha moments happening when people come out to my classes um, as they, you know, feel the sensation of so many muscles um, engaging and involved in the workout as they propel themselves forward with the poles. So, so things have changed over 10 years uh, uh, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, <laughs> the, no, the past economy where I am today. I, I like that. I mean, there's a lot of, I, I think even nuggets there around, you know, you, you were grinding it out in the, the YMCA, which is a great organization, but you know, it's not the most glamorous of places to start. Right. But you, you started there. Um, do you, th was that a, do you think that was like pretty formative as far as your fitness career, like being able to be in a, a place like that and get a job early? I think so. I think, um, you know, if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur in the fitness business, you have to have, you have to have a really good foundation and you have to start at a place that has a great reputation for training people and, uh, giving them a good foundation. I, I kind of skipped over several years. I was at the fitness Institute as well, which is, um, you know, no longer around, but, um, at the time was kind of the premier club um, which grew to be three clubs in Toronto at the time so I got a really strong foundation at those places in terms of my you know science background my you know practical skills background and just building confidence and you know when you're an entrepreneur and working on your own running your own business you really are just or at least I am a one-person show <laughs> so you don't have um, a lot of people kind of right there handy to learn from and to you know, to feed off of. So I'm lucky that early in my career, I had a lot of, uh, you know, great role models and uh, and mentors that gave me that great foundation. Yeah, and the, I mean, you're right. The the basis in anatomy and, and training theory and all that is, is very important. But I think those two experiences uh, also would sort of give you a sense of you know the professionalism and having you know how you greet people because there's it's all sort of established in those bigger organizations right like how how you dress you know the the how you intake someone um so in a lot of ways that would be a really good sort of as you say entrepreneur lesson in in how you run it all yourself because you're seeing you know these great examples right exactly i, I think it must be very very difficult just to be a a new grad or a new person in the field and just jump right into your own business uh very very challenging so i feel fortunate that i I worked at a lot of really great places that um, gave me all those skills and, um, yeah, gave me all those skills really early on in my career. Yeah. And then the year sailing. So, so it was, was that just sort of burnout from the corporate fitness world <laughs> or did, or did the stars align and that was just an opportunity you were going uh, to take? Yeah, no, that was something that had always been planned. So my husband and I had been saving and saving and saving and uh, we both happened to work at Manulife and, and we're able to take um, a year of uh, a year's leave there, so that was also uh, quite wonderful. And uh, it was just a, a bit of a dream to, you know, sail our boat from Toronto 
all the way down the North American coast and then across the British Virgin Islands and then sailed all the way down almost to South America, down to Trinidad, um, and then to sail it back. Yeah, so uh, it was a uh, was the trip of a lifetime. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I like that you you know you wasn't necessarily you know you you took a break. You sort of had your your career and then. Um, you know, did a lot of that grinding early. So, you know, when you came back, you had some options and stuff, right? Versus, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the, I'm as guilty as anyone with the the van life sort of, you know, everyone wants to just sort of go directly to that. But I feel like you did a good job of sort of grinding and getting the experience and then, and then taking that, you know, like you say, sort of working, whether that's sort of that like building up and sort of saving pay with the organization or on your own or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, back to polling, I guess. Um, I'm just always so curious about the the professional side of it and sort of how people go through. The urban polling, so you mentioned marathon walkers and stuff sort of in that, you know, initial, uh, were you trying to, when they phoned you from urban polling, you know, as a fitness professional, you know, often, you know, you'll see things, especially in this day and age on the internet, you know, some company trying to get your business. Why, why did you choose to try urban polling? Like, was that something that, you know, with your marathon walkers or the clients you had that you sort of felt like that might be something like why looking back, you know, it was a very, fairly like pivotal decision Mm -hmm. for you. It definitely was. Uh, I think when you're a, a personal trainer, which is kind of the basis of my, my business, you're always looking to keep things fresh and new. And, um, so there's, you know, there's equipment and there are techniques and, various strategies, but I just saw this is something that a lot of my clients uh, might perhaps like to try. So I, I tend to have a lot of kind of 40 plus clients, um, you know, many of them previous runners, but, you know, kind of no longer running for a variety of reasons. And um, I thought, oh, okay, walking isn't all that exciting to someone who's previously been a runner, for example. So that was kind of the first person who came to mind, like, hmm, maybe this might be an option. For some of those clients who just haven't been able to find that cardio alternative to that running that was so, um, you know, important to their lifestyle. So I, I think that's probably what it was. And it was, you know, it was a it was a personal phone call. It wasn't just kind of a random email that had been sent out to many people. And uh, I really liked the people I was talking to and everything just really kind of fell into place and uh so i'm i'm just very fortunate (laughs) that i'm the person they called and that that we've had such a great relationship uh over all these years yeah it's definitely something i I struggle with you know there's always new programs or new whatever uh new certification courses and it's you know which ones do you jump on board with and then in your case you even you know had to persist a little bit extra right from that Mm -hmm. initial exposure um, so it's always which ones do you you know just keep keep plugging exactly. keep plugging away at exactly well I liked you know the person I was speaking to you know, Mandy Shintani she's the occupational therapist who's a co-owner of the the company I, I liked her so much and I knew she had done a lot of research and I knew uh, she was very excited about it so I thought okay I'm just gonna hang in there and hopefully <laughs> hopefully there will be something that happens here that makes this all work and once I became a certified instructor and I actually met her in person and she taught me to Nordic walk you know in person and I became a certified instructor then it was like oh that's what it's all about 
So um, I, I just hadn't caught on. And, and it actually was kind of a positive because um, one of the beautiful things, I should say too that urban polling and Nordic walking are two words that we kind of use interchangeably. Urban polling is kind of what the company Urban Polling Inc. calls Nordic walking. So we kind of switch back and forth between those words, a little bit like Kleenex and facial tissue. <laughs> but um, um, uh, so I th there are many pluses and many great reasons that people love Nordic walking. And one of them is that it's just the perfect amount of challenge. So for somebody like me who loves group exercise classes and loves complexity and and memorizing combinations and and the um, you know details about the technique about doing an exercise there's enough there to keep me interested and and, and make me interested in it but it's it's just so interesting that it's also not so complex that a couch potato-ish kind of person can also enjoy it so, uh, and also find it challenging, but not too challenging. So, um, so I find I, I teach a lot of classes and I have all kinds of people, people who have barely exercised at all. And perhaps there's been some kind of medical event in their life and they've been told they have to get out and exercise. And that's why they find me and come to my classes or take a private class with me. And then the other end of the spectrum, I get super, super fit people who just cannot do their activity anymore because they, they're looking for a non-impact, low-impact activity that's not going to strain, you know, the joint that they're having issues with, perhaps. And they enjoy it just as much and find it as engaging mentally and physically just as much as well. So, so there's a big long list of benefits, but that's one of the ones that I find the most interesting um, is that it appeals to people of all kind of athletic abilities and um yeah yeah so okay and, and that's a great segue you know i had mentioned that i was exposed somewhat through sort of a nordic skiing but honestly it was sort of we had stolen it from cross-country skiing to try and cross train in canadian fall and winter uh for cycling um and, and so we were you know I, I we always called it sort of pole running um, and I don't know, maybe you can even expand on when you have these really fit people, like, is it, how does it become more challenging? Like, is it strictly in the speed or, or is this like, we're certainly taking the Nordic walking, you know, off road or to Hills or, or sort of what, what, what is pretty, encompassed in the urban polling sort of, or what is encompassed much, by it? Yeah, it's pretty much about speed. So, uh, I like to compare it to swimming or tennis perhaps. So swimming is something that you can do, uh, you know, at the youngest age possible, but you can also swim into your 90s. And tennis is the same way. You can play tennis in your younger years, and it's one of those beautiful sports that you can age, that ages with you. You can play tennis in your 90s. And really, you know, a forehand and a backhand are exactly the same, whether you're in your 20s or whether you're in your 90s. It's just all about intensity and speed. And so it's the same with Nordic walking, is that we do the exact same technique, it's just that we're going a lot faster uh, when we're fitter, uh, and then probably we're adding some hills and some terrain challenges, some staircases, et cetera. But the basic technique is the basic technique, and um, it's really just all about increasing the intensity through through speed and probably inclines and you know more challenging terrain 
So it's, you know, sometimes we say it's like cross-country skiing, and uh, it is. That kind of puts the right picture in people's heads. Um, but it's not exactly like cross-country skiing, and it's definitely not like hiking. So I do like to tell people right off the bat that, um, you know, hiking and Nordic walking are completely different, and hiking poles, in fact, and Nordic walking poles are, are completely different. So hiking and hiking poles, they're all about minimizing effort, and people who've used hiking poles and you know, perhaps not use them on, a, on another day will know that they always feel much, much better. Their hips, their knees, their bodies, their, their level of fatigue is always much better when you use poles. They're, they're such a huge benefit. So it's all about minimizing effort and making your hike easier. It's the very opposite with Nordic walking. With Nordic walking, we're trying to create and um, maximize effort, rather. And we're trying to make, an, make it into a fitness activity. And so we are looking to really challenge the body. And, and most of all, it has to do with... Um, with the arm position and well the technique in general you know when you go hiking you really don't need a hiking lesson you don't need a lesson on you know how tall to make your poles you just kind of put the poles to a height that feels kind of helpful and you just you know land the pole wherever it feels helpful and generally speaking the poles go out in front of you you know you kind of press down on the pole you push yourself forward and and that's all there is to it it's it's you know definitely don't want to pay somebody to teach you how to use hiking poles because it's it's dead easy. When it comes to Nordic walking, it's quite different. We have a really specific length for the poles. If you use urban polling brand poles, it's it's really, really easy. You just look on the pole and if you're 5'4 like me, you'll actually see a marking on the pole where you should set your poles if you're 5'4. Um, so we set the poles at a specific height and then instead of just kind of landing the poles anywhere we like we use a long straight arm so it's a long lever from the shoulder to the hand versus a short lever that you use when you're hiking right the elbows are bent when you're hiking with Nordic walking we use a long lever so we say you know think of your arms as long pendulums or think of yourself as swinging your hand up to shake hands with your right hand with your left hand with your right hand uh, and then we do a big press down there's a ledge there's a wide ledge on the bottom of the handles of the urban polling poles and we press down on the outside edge of our hands and we push the poles back with that long lever so it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of muscle recruitment in the back of the shoulder, in between the shoulder blades, the muscles that kind of run down the sides and the backs of the torso. And uh, it sends your heart rate up as well at the same time. And yeah, it, it takes a lot of energy. When the body starts to fatigue, and this is what we see with new people, the elbows start to bend, <laughs> the lever gets shorter things kind of start moving into that hiking zone again because the body nat naturally wants to minimize the effort. And that's okay if you get tired. Actually, we usually tell people to kind of just drag the poles behind you. Don't get too comfortable do that, doing that hiking um, technique. You know, we kind of prefer you keep that Nordic walking technique kind of in your muscles and in your body. And then when you're ready again, you start swinging those handles and swinging the arms forward, swinging these long levers forward. So, there's always lots of questions about that, and people are always surprised. They always think they're going to be planting the poles in front of them, uh, as hikers do. But no, we keep the poles angled back at 45 degrees. We want them well away from our feet so we don't trip over the poles. 
And also we're pressing on the pole. So if you have that pole angled back at a 45 degree angle, you get this automatic propulsion forward between your poles. Uh, and that's really kind of the ultimate aim. Once you become proficient with the poles, we're looking for this forward drive of the body between the poles, something similar sensation to cross-country skiing. With cross-country skiing, there tends to be more elbow bending and lengthening, you know, bending and straightening. Um, but that same forward propulsion action um, is what we're looking uh, for from, from Nordic walking. And so that's the thing that people don't understand until they come out and they try it. You know, if you see someone going by with poles, it doesn't necessarily look terribly exciting, doesn't look like it's terribly challenging. It's not really until you get the poles in your hands and you get doing the technique properly and well, and you go, holy cow, you know, this is a good workout. So luckily over 10 years, <laughs> there are more and more people out there um, who've had the opportunity to try it and learn it and they love it. And word of mouth is out there. We're slowly spreading the word around that it's not hiking. It's a, you know, it's a Nordic walking technique and try it. It's fantastic. It's a great workout. Yeah, I don't know if, if the frequency has dropped on this, but I remember running, uh, you know, and sort of hiking and whatever with poles when I was in Waterloo for university. And I, I, it was about once probably every, and some of these were getting longer, like two to three hours. We'd be out, and I remember just like the frequency of people yelling out the their cars that like you forgot your skis and such things. I don't know if this still happens, but... Uh, it still happens, yeah. Where's yeah. the... <laughs> But it's hilarious, yeah. Yes, it's no one's ever come up with that one before. Ever said that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that happens with every sport. Cyclists are certainly used to that from wearing spandex and and all. Just get generally being told to get off the road. So, yeah. well, yeah, it's funny. I remember years ago teaching inline skating, and people thought, you know, that's probably how many years ago? Twenty-five years ago, or something crazy like that. And people thought that was so odd and would stare at us as we went by and whoa that's so weird you know now people don't even give a second look at those people so I'm hoping that just a few more years you know as Nordic walkers we'll just be ah, no big deal it's just some Nordic walkers I think walk. you're right though like I think most people are somewhat aware of it like there's here in Collingwood and some of my interest even just in reaching out I was sort of reminded of it again uh, just here recently we have a fair number of retired people here in Collingwood um, and there's a few, you know, groups out doing it or just, you know, like you say, people just have heard about it and are doing it themselves to sort of enable a little bit more walking or stability or however they're using it. Um, so I think we're there. I think the awareness is, 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 is higher at least. Mm, good. Good, um, so I guess my curiosity is somewhat around the, you know, or, or maybe even you can explain this to me. I'm trying to think through it. Like it definitely is low impact because it's, you know, you're using the pulse, you're using more muscle mass to absorb each, each impact, each stride. Um, but then you're also using more muscle mass. So that's where it's sort of inefficient exercise or, or good exercise in that it, it it's increasing the exertion. Um, so I'm just trying to think through that. I guess it's sort of like swimming, right? Where it's sort of inefficient because you've thrown yourself into this medium and now you're moving your arms and legs around. Um, but then you're sort of dispersing it. So the, the load on your knees or your hips is, is less. Would you agree with that bumbling? Exactly. Sort of yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and inefficient in a good way, just to clarify, right? I know that's what you mean. Yeah. So yeah. Inefficient 
terms of making it a challenging, challenging workout. So I always think back to somebody I know who had, uh, you know, some knee surgery and she was a young fit athlete and she said, I just love the pull. You know, I can't run anymore. My orthopedic surgeon said no more running. But she said, you know, Nordic walking I can do. I can get my heart rate nice and high. And she, she said to me, every heel strike, so every time my heel hits the ground, is just, and she held her fingers up, like, and put about an inch between them. She said, it's just this much gentler, each heel strike. And when I Nordic walk 8,000 steps, for example, maybe in an hour, if you if you multiply that, you know, little tiny bit times 8,000, by the time I get to the end of an hour, that's really added up. So it means I can cover more distance, I can go faster, I can, I'll feel better the next day and or all of the above. So, so the beauty is that it takes the load off the lower body. So that heel strike is just a little gentler. So that's a positive. And then the positive is the extra effort goes into the upper body because you're landing a pole at the same time. And that weight, that resistance is going into the pole and up into your arm and into your upper body and your core muscles. So it's really like a, a win, 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 win all the way around. So gentler on, you know, the lower body that maybe need that needs that little bit of gentleness and then more challenge for the upper body. And most people can always use you know, need more strength and endurance in their, in their upper bodies. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that was the attraction again, my initial exposure, which, you know, we may disagree in, in terms of whether it was more of a hiking pursuit that versus urban polling, but using poles, um, you know, while we're sort of bipedal and moving around, you know, coming from pretty strong cycling fitness, but then, you know, the, the running endurance running, you know, just even the muscular tendon, endurance for that running was fairly low and then we'd come into the fall but if for using poles we could actually go fairly long um and, and it, the soreness was like nothing like i could maybe mm -hmm. r run for half an hour if i you know and, and still be a little sore and then you could do maybe 90 minutes even and these are just approximates but the the difference in how long um you could go w was much different Mm -hmm. You're still getting that offloading effect, you know, whichever technique you're using, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're hiking or Nordic walking, you're still offloading weight into the poles. Right. And so, yeah, so there's that, that, which makes it a, you know, a fantastic, um, uh, cross training activity for many people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, and, you know, and like cross country skiers do use a version of this, right? Like they stride mm -hmm. up hills, you know, before the season starts. Yeah. The Consummate Athlete Podcast is part of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Supporting Wide Angle Podium gets you access to podcasts like ours and keeps your favorite shows on the air and constantly improving. You also get access to rad bonus content when you donate. Check out WideAnglePodium.com for show information, other Wide Angle Podium podcasts, and to become a donating member with awesome bonuses. You'll help support the Consummate Athlete Podcast, and every donation helps us keep improving the quality of the show. Again, that URL is wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Thanks for any support. Okay, so you're doing, you know, some of the, you're, you're presenting this sort of as a, a group fitness class, and you meet in Toronto. Um, Mount Pleasant and High Park, I see. So we'll link to all that, of course, and some of the demonstration videos you have as well. Um, but you, you spoke through sort of the basic technique quite well. 
Um, when you're doing these these classes, then like, is it essentially you know like a group walk, or is there you know obviously some technique to start, and then sort of like do you do intervals, or or what does a class look like? Well, uh, a basic class kind of depends. So you know, uh, everybody's classes are a little bit different. <laughs> so mine right now, you know, I'll have as few as ten people in a class, or as many as thirty in a class. And uh, if the people are beginners, you know, the first class we start off and we don't travel too far. We do a little bit of chit chatting and getting comfortable with the poles. I, I generally at that point am loaning people poles um, and then, you know, often they'll buy their own as we go along. And we just kind of start off very generally, you know, kind of back and forth and back and forth. And once people get comfortable with it, you know, kind of off we go on a little bit of a journey and we come back and do a couple loops. And then when people get really comfortable and confident with it, you know, maybe week four, week five of a 10 week session, you know, kind of off we go on a bit of an adventure. And so as we're going along, it's a combination of all kinds of things. It's enjoying the scenery. So I always make sure that my classes are in a beautiful location. So Mount Pleasant Cemetery, for example, or High Park, which is a beautiful, huge park uh, here in Toronto, um, or maybe along the waterfront. So there's lots of the beauty of nature to soak in. There's socializing that happens as people chit-chat as they go along. But it's all interspersed with me giving instruction and, um, and reminders. And, uh, you know, if I see somebody whose technique is not so great, I'll shout something out to them. So, so it's, there's a kind of a lot happening. I'm kind of at the front of the group and I drop back and then I'm, I'm up at the front again. Um, you know, the people at the front will loop back the same way runners do. So the rule is if you get too far ahead, you turn around and you come back right to the back of the group and then probably, you know, we'll work yourself up to the front of the group again. Or sometimes I'll send those faster people off if we happen to walk by a beautiful staircase. I'll send the first six people at the front of the group up the staircase and they'll come back down in the meantime. The rest of us have continued on along the trail. So, so one of my big jobs is to keep everybody together, kind of as one big happy family. And so that means, you know, being mindful of, of who the really fast fit people are and who the, you know, the people who are a little bit, a little bit slower pace are. Um, we stop for intervals lots of times. So there are lots of exercises we can do with the poles. So things as simple as lunges and squats. Um, to, you know, we'll put the poles aside and maybe do push-ups if there's some park benches there. Other people will do their push-ups right down on the grass. Um, you know, we'll do something called double poling. We'll do some balance exercises perhaps. So, so we stop maybe two or three times for intervals. Uh, really kind of depends on what's there. You know, there's some locations where there's some nice big kind of 12, 14, 16-inch high rocks so we all get a rock and we do some, you know, step ups on the rock, which is great. We might sit down on a rock and do some triceps dips. So, yeah, so then we get back to our starting point and uh, probably finish with about five minutes or so of stretching. And hamstrings are one of the big muscles that um, are really working hard during any kind of walking. So big hamstring stretch, big stretches for the, you know, the outer hips big stretches for the upper body and and then it's over and everybody's all pumped up and um, invigorated from the walk and 
and we wrap it up. So that's what my classes look like. Everybody's are a little bit different and you know, I have varying levels of classes. I have one class called Gentle Beginners. Um, a lot of physiotherapists send their clients to me post-physio. People who are just, you know, not quite comfortable getting back into full activity on their own. So that's a very gentle class, as the class name, you know, suggests. So I have, you know, the back of my car is open. If people need to sit, they can kind of rest their bum, you know, just kind of in my car. Or perhaps they've come. Uh, with a walker they can sit down on. Perhaps we can all walk to a park bench. And those who still have energy and are feeling great will continue to walk. So there really um, all all kinds of all kinds of levels. And the beauty of Nordic walking is that it appeals to such a, a wide wide range of of people. It makes my job very interesting because I'm working with people with whose health is really being compromised. Um, you know, some of those examples I just gave to some really like super, you know, people who are at peak fitness. And so that's fun to work with, work with them as well. And then lots of people, of course, who are just somewhere halfway in between that. Right. That sounds awesome. I mean, getting around and sort of exploring and like you say, sort of customizing it. Uh, I'm curious, what is the double po- polling uh, exercise? What what's Can you describe that? Is, is it yeah. easy to describe? Yeah, for sure. Double polling. I always tell people, you know, I say if you're a skier, this will be familiar. This is when you you come down, you know, you're downhill skiing, you get to the bottom of the hill, and then you realize, oh, you want to be at the lift that's over there. And it's, you know, flat terrain. And so you drive both poles into the ground and you skate ski over, you know, basically to the, the next lift. So it's, it's sort of that sensation of both poles landing at the same time and a big push with both arms back. So in actual fact, it's, it's the exact same technique we use for, you know, alternating arms, single polling, kind of the standard technique. But we're just moving both arms up at the same time and back at the same time. So we use that going up hills, uh, even just for a change of pace um, or just to increase the intensity a little bit, too. So it's just uh, just another another technique that's fun to throw in there sometimes. Gotcha. So you're still striding or, or walking your yep. legs. Your legs are still doing the same thing, essentially, yep. but you're pushing. Gotcha. All right. And then if someone was a fitness trainer or a coach or something, you, you do offer sort of a certification course. Um, what do those what do those look like? Are they single day or full weekends or, or what uh, is something? It's a, half, yeah, it's a half day course. It's also an online course. So we have a lot of people in small towns. You know, urban polling is people in every province and territory now certified. So there are people in very small communities who can't get to a live course. Um, so that's, you know, that's an option, the online course. But I always say if possible, it's nice to come to a, a live course. So um, usually people have been participants in a class and they know what Nordic walking is, is all about or they have at least a bit of an idea. So the first part of the course is just checking out their technique and, you know, polishing it a little bit. And then we talk about, you know, how to run a class and the components of a class and mostly how to teach the technique, even though it's not a terribly, terribly different tech, difficult technique, it's important to teach it in a, a step-by-step fashion or people can very easily become frustrated. And uh, so just, you know, learning how to teach the technique. And, and then after that, a lot of troubleshooting. So when you see people 
walking and displaying this error, how are you going to fix that? You know, what can you say? What can you do? What, um, you know, can you stop and, and do a little exercise? Can you emphasize something that will, will get that point across? And we help them set up a schedule, a 10-week class schedule, and here's how you might want to approach it. Week one, try this. Week two, maybe add this. Week three, here's something else you can add. Week four, so we try to make it um, as easy as people as possible for people to to set up their own program. And you know, give a few little marketing tips, and and uh, because of course you've got to attract some people to your classes, and um, so it's uh, you know it's it's quite comprehensive and uh, lots of information packed into one session. We have a level two and then. Sorry, a level one and also a level a level two course, and then a level two course just adds on to the basic knowledge and takes takes instructors up to another level in terms of their teaching teaching skills. That sounds like an action packed half day, actually. It, it is for sure. Yeah, people, and definitely the in person's better. You get to actually meet people, right? Like I think uh-huh. in this day and age, the online stuff is you know you could buy a new one every day, but to mm-hmm. follow through and then again that sort of see it in you know person and get your own form critiqued and actually get to do maybe a bit of teaching in front of people like you mm-hmm. you pay for that or, you know it's it's well worth it it is for sure you get to practice teach and make all your mistakes on one of the participants in you know in the course instead of a a real live paying participant in your class and then you get you know you get one-on-one feedback from from me or whoever's teaching your course who tells you yes that looks fantastic or you know let's let's try and get your thumbs down and back a little bit further we need a little more follow through on your arms so so when you leave the course you leave with confidence knowing that you have good technique or perhaps knowing that you still need to work on a couple things Um, there's kind of no no guessing, you know, that oh, I think I have it. <laughs> you know, you really know for sure the instructor has, has given you some really clear feedback on on how well you're doing. Right. Okay. Well, uh, quicker questions here to finish off. Uh, common mistake, you know, we're, we're always curious, you know, people, the first time you go to something, you're sort of nervous a bit. So what would you say the most common mistake someone's, you know, relatively, you know, they're not necessarily coming back from injury, but maybe, you know, haven't done a lot of training or, you know, just haven't ever done anything like that. There may be a cyclist and they're going to try this. Um, you know, what, what's the common mistake that people make with polling? Well, time? yeah, well, if you ask any instructor, so urban polling, I think we have over 1500 certified instructors now across the country. Uh, we'll all say the same thing. And that is keeping people's arms long and straight. So we don't lock the elbows tight, but we do want a really long pendulum swing from the shoulder, not from the elbow. And uh, the tendency, as I sort of referenced earlier, is to want to have some swing, want to shorten up that lever and have some action from the elbow. And really, you know, we're really trying to minimize. I tell people, you know, your elbows are just kind of a little holiday today. And it's your shoulders. Your shoulders are going to be working. So big, long swing. So that's the thing we're always trying to get, um, you know, working on. And people will have the long swing and then it will disappear. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll say, elbows, everybody, stretch those arms out. And oops, then they're back in great, you know, great form again. So so we're always kind of fighting that one, trying to get people um those long arms. The other one is that we need the, the hands to come to come up to that handshake position. 
But then the range of motion is that you come all the way down to your thumb is by your thigh. And in fact, once you walk forward, it'll go back behind your body. But we need people to swing up and then bring the arm all the way down. So sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge for people too. Sometimes it's just that their stride isn't long enough. That'll often uh, fix that. But if you're if you don't have a large range of motion happening at the shoulder, uh, you can't get a nice long stride either. You know, the, the range of motion at the shoulder is going to match that at the hip. So we want kind of a nice, long, vigorous stride. And so we need the hands to come up to the handshake position and down to the side of the thigh. We also get people dragging their poles behind them sometimes. And for a beginner, that's okay. But it's really like downhill skiing. And that is you want to you know, pick up your pole just a tiny bit and plant it. Pick it up and plant it. Pick it up and plant it. So uh, in my classes, you know, if we're on a trail somewhere, we'll stop occasionally and look behind us and look at the pattern that are, you know, the tips, the carbide tips, the pointy tips that are hiding under those rubber boot tips. We'll look and see, you know, what we're leaving behind us. And ideally, it should be a series of holes and not a long series of kind of you know, dragging marks that look like snakes are following us or something. So, uh, so those are probably uh, probably the biggest ones. We always want people to stand as tall as possible, so to lengthen through the waist. You know, pull the belly button up and in, lift the rib cage. Kind of, we try all different kinds of things depending on what people's background is. A lot of people have done Pilates and yoga. I find who come to my classes. So, so any of those previous cues. Kind of tend to work for people um, so pulling yourself up and as soon as you do that lengthen through the waist and the shoulders come back over the hips and the posture is you know magically tall and and strong so so these are the kind of cues that as an instructor we're really kind of constantly constantly calling out to people and reminding reminding people about so as an instructor just to kind of get back to what the class look like I like to think it's a good mix of socializing and chit-chatting and technique tips and reminders um, as we go along. So I'm, I'm kind of constantly doing back and forth between, between those two things. So um, just to make it an all-round pleasant athletic experience by the end of the hour. That's great. And then the other question we like to know is, you know, again, in that same vein, if you're showing up, how do you not look like a newbie? You know, what it could be something people are dressed with, or, you know, you mentioned not dragging your poles. So the, you know, the guy scraping the ground with his poles is a good one. Uh, does anything else come to mind as far as, you know, looking like looking the part or, or being prepared to, to do the activity? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, I, I used to get people arriving with cross country ski poles. And, you know, hoping that they could use their ski poles instead of their Nordic walking poles. I don't get that so much anymore. So that just kind of tells me the person really doesn't, you know, know too much about Nordic walking. And, and that's absolutely okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, cross-country ski poles are relatively long. You know, if you compare them to downhill ski poles and Nordic walking ski poles are, are different again. Um, you know, we have a rubber boot shaped tip on the bottom that we use for sidewalks and asphalt on hard surfaces. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we have this thick ledge on the end uh, of the handle, the bottom of the handle that we're resisting against. And that's how we push ourselves forward. 
and you won't find those things on uh, on ski poles, for example. And our poles also a telescope. Sometimes we want the poles a little longer. Sometimes we want them a little shorter. New people, we need, you know, we usually knock them down just a little bit to make them a little more manageable. So it's important to have that telescoping aspect on your poles. So, uh, so anyway, if somebody shows up with ski poles, I know, I know that they're a newbie for sure. <laughs> and that's not a problem. I just kind of, you know, as nicely as possible say, you know, why don't you use my poles today? We'll just put your poles in my car and um, try these ones today. And I think you'll really, you know, borrow mine and you'll, you'll, you'll see, uh, see what the difference is. And I think you'll, I think you'll get a good workout from them. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and then whenever I'm talking to someone in the fitness industry or, or, or coaching, you know, I like to find out what they are up to next um and if there's anything you know in, as far as the the industry and stuff that they you know think we should be watching out for um or that they're really curious about right now so what's what's next well let me see i wrote a book last year and uh on nordic walking called the ultimate urban polling ultimate guide to nordic walking and it's just sold out so um which i'm really happy about so i'm just working on the revised edition so adding some more pages and updating some information and uh, adding a whole new section we also have a poll called the activator poll and it's specifically for people with balance and stability issues you know one of the other benefits whether you need it or not is that the polls do provide balance and stability you've always got two points of contact on the ground when you're walking with them comes in very handy on you know rocky terrain or you know rougher terrain whether you're nordic walking or or hiking um so anyway, uh, yes, doing a section on those polls, they're really popular for mostly the older population, but also people who have had, um, you know, lower body or joint surgery or back surgery. Uh, a lot of people aren't happy using a cane or aren't comfortable using a cane or a walker. Uh, maybe it's their body's not comfortable because you have to kind of hunch yourself over a cane. And often that's the way you end up using a walker as well. Or perhaps it's just the stigma that's attached to it. canes and walkers. A lot of people just really don't want to be seen um, uh, using that kind of a, a mobility device. And so the poles, the activator poles, really let people stand up nice and tall um, with their chests open and wide and um, provide stability as well. So they look very, very similar to the Nordic walking poles, except they have a bell-shaped tip on the bottom, and we keep them vertical and in front of the body at all the time, at all times. So there'll be a section on that. And um, what else? Uh, I'm just uh, really kind of more of the same, which may not be that, uh, you know, earth-shattering, but I do find my, my Nordic walking classes keep getting bigger and bigger, and I keep doing more and more private classes and um, uh, I find as the baby boomers get older and not that everybody is a baby boomer who comes to the classes I would say my average person yes is in um, his or her 50s um, but I do have people in their 40s for sure and above so um, but uh, there is a real um, a real interest in Nordic walking uh, in that age group 40 and up so uh, so my classes do seem to be getting bigger and bigger, which is, which is really wonderful. So, so between that, um, Nordic walking, um, you know, working on the new version of book and my personal training clients. Yeah. Things are, things are looking good for the future. I'm pretty busy. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Whether it's just, you know, as we're all aging, you know, we're staying active longer or, or 
However, if you want to look at it from a dire perspective as well, the, there's people who who need it and, you know, it's, it's a way to stay active. And I like that change in mindset that you said too, you know, versus, you know, if you're someone who needs a cane to go walk and, and, you know, it's a completely different mindset if, you know, you can grab these two poles and, you know, do this in an athletic sort of way uh, versus, you know, trying to hobble down the road with one, you know, just with a cane or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that could be huge for someone in, in how they're interpreting, you know, a rehab from a lower body injury or something. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way one, one woman put it, one of my clients, she said, you know, when my doctor told me I needed to start walking with a cane, the word disability came to my mind and I was really depressed. But then when I heard about the activator poles, I was really excited and the word ability came to my mind and I just love my activator poles and she said that when she's out walking with her activator poles so she'll go for a nice long walk with them uh she says you know they're they're conversation opener and people are curious about them and interested in them and she looks a bit sporty whereas when you're out with a cane people feel sorry for you and they they know there's a health condition and no they're definitely not a conversation opener so i've always liked that that feedback that i got from her yeah, that's great sales copy at, at, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and your your book is available on urbanpolling.com. And like you say, it's sold out, but I expect you'll have a, a new one here soon. Uh, also at yeah. bar, barbgormley.com, it looks like yeah. you can also get yeah. it. Exactly. So there are a few copies left at urbanpolling.com, I believe. Uh, it's also available digital. So, you know, there are digital copies always yeah. available. But if you want to, yeah, the hard copy, the, the new version is coming out. Uh, this summer very shortly. Alrighty. Well, thank you for your time, Barb. I know you're busy with all this going on, so I, I do appreciate that. And hopefully we can, you know, let people who are in need of, of sort of a new cross training activity or some way to rehab or get into, you know, eventually into running even. Um, I think this is a great way to do it. So thank you for taking the time. Great. Thanks so much, Peter. Great to talk to you. Hey guys, I just wanted to talk to you for a hot minute about Health IQ. So it's not really that fun to talk about life insurance, but what about life insurance that actually cares about your Strava results and race results? That's pretty sweet. So Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health conscious lifestyle through financial rewards, which means they've got special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, and other health conscious people. Uh, They've used science to kind of come up with these lower rates on life insurance for people who are exercising, say, four times a week, um, because, you know, research has shown that people who are highly active, you know, by exercising have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and a 34% risk, lower risk of early death. So, you know, many people who are doing this regular exercise training for, you know, whatever event don't realize you can get a special rate on your life insurance through Health IQ by qualifying through the Health IQ quiz that they have online or, you know, even submitting those Strava's and race results, which is pretty sick. Uh, you can learn more and get a quote on your life insurance over at healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. So healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. So check it out, browse the website, take the quiz, and, you know, submit your Strava results. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. 
Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week. Bye.